Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon around the world. This is uh, another IAOMS podcast. This is Deborah Zabladil, and I am here with Dr. Robert Gessner from Austria today. And uh, we're going to be asking Dr. Gessner a few questions uh, to start and then hear a little bit about um, an area of specialty for him in, um, in the surgical realm. So welcome, Dr. Gessner. Thank you for being here with us today. And uh, the first question I'd like to ask you is, can you tell us a little bit about um, your surgical journey, your professional journey, um, that the audience might you know, find interesting, just the, the twists and turns that your career has taken? When I was in medical school, I had the great opportunity to work in general and uh, transplant surgery with the person who did the first heart transplant in my hometown, Innsbruck, Austria, within Austria. Uh, this paved the way that I was able to see that research and uh, dealing with very sick patients is something which is of extreme importance from the rest of my life. So my, the main thing is not just to uh, treat patients because they are sick, it's really to help them so when I was half through of my general transplant surgery residency, I decided that I cannot, uh, I wanted to be on the safe side. So as a transplant surgeon, you stick to a hospital. Uh, so therefore I went to dental school and did also maxillofacial surgery. And I had a tenured position in my hometown Innsbruck where I grew up. And the next was that I was, uh, working as a visiting assistant professor at the uh, University of Pittsburgh at the Department of Oral Maxillofacial Surgery and uh, Cleft Palate and Craniofacial Center. When I went back uh, to Austria, I'd, I had all the privileges as a, a tenured person, but the University of Pittsburgh had a transition and invited me again, so I was uh, going there from 2001 to 2003 as an associate professor at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Coming back to Austria was mainly because uh, I wanted to raise my family in a situation where you have many different uh, languages possible because when you stay in the US you would mainly be monolingual and that was something I realized. Back in Austria I was working in my hospital and my scope is uh, the full scope of cranio-maxillofacial surgery. That's a very interesting uh, path and obviously you've worked in different parts of the world and um, had had a very unique experience. I'm wondering if um, you know if you were to look back and we all kind of look back on our journeys and think about um, what we might have done differently or maybe we wouldn't have worried so much about something what would you tell your younger self uh, when you are young you don't know uh, what happens because you always need a mentor and this was in my opinion the main lack in my life that i need not have a real mentor who was supporting me throughout and, and guiding me except uh, some uh, relatives who were really always supporting my career. I had to overcome many obstacles. For example, I had to be able to support myself at my first trip to the US, uh, but 
using a bicycle it helps a lot to stay healthy, to be energized and when you live in an area like Innsbruck you also can use winter when it's there and you really have to pay attention that you stay healthy throughout your lifetime career as a surgeon. Mm, interesting. So um, you mentioned that you didn't have really a mentor and that would have helped you. Do you think there's something that um, young surgeons should do to seek out a mentor? When, when you are young, you, you are on the other side lucky that you can be in the field like medicine or dentistry, you are already a winner. But still, when you are young, you don't. there, there is a clear indication that there are certain places when you are there, you will be promoted and you can do an academic career much more easy than I realized what it is. Okay, thank you. So, um, you know, from where you sit, what do you see as the trajectory of the specialty going forward in the future? Uh, the specialty itself is tremendously improving just based on the effects that uh, uh, the computer sciences are uh, coming into us in our specialty and it helps to assess uh, the whole face in the and the uh, bones of the face as a three-dimensional three structure and you can evaluate uh, how uh, these things fit together and to me it's amazing that uh, from one side medicine tries to uh, pick on this specialty as plastic surgery and on the other side it's this uh, uh, medical and dental background that uh, maxillofacial surgeons are uh, coming into place and for the humans for for the individual patient it would for sure be important to have a combination of of, of these two specialties thank you very much um, one of the areas that you focus on and uh, that you talk about is um, surviving you know what happens after you've survived head and neck cancer can you tell us a little bit about that uh, from the very beginning on, I was uh, always uh, involved in extreme surgery. For example, uh, I was involved how we did the first combined uh, uh, transplantation of small bowel, pancreas and liver uh, into one patient. Uh, this was in 1991. Based on that, I always uh, know when you uh, deal with the patient who is sick, you have to uh, get a, the biologic trauma, which is a tumor. You need to assess it correctly and uh, remove it uh, completely. And whenever you think as a surgeon you did a good job, there is always microbiology and uh, the, the onset, how, how you can overcome uh, the situation that a tumor is starting to invade the human. Just to do the surgery is not enough. You have to see the patient as a whole. So are there issues of um, you know, depression and, and those kinds of things? Are there psychological issues after someone survives something like that? Uh, even, even healthy people run into a depression uh, and uh, depressions are mainly uh, a problem that a, a person did not pay attention that he has to move. Based on my scientific research and evidence, what I found also in many NIH-funded uh, research, I, I was lucky to 
get to know. When you move, it's like taking a drug. Uh, you can take medication, but uh, there is always uh, NF-kappa B in the cytoplasm of any cell, and when anything happens, Due to exercise, you can keep uh, the pro-inflammatory uh, actions out of out of the uh, uh, nucleus of a cell, and this is the main thing. When you pay attention to that, that you can downsize the possibility to, that you may have uh, uh, some kind of uh, disturbance of your integrity over life. Thank you. That's very interesting. Um, anything else that you would like to add about um, about the survival of, uh, of of cancer? Yeah, one of the main things uh, that patients, when they undergo, for example, radiation therapy, when they don't pay attention, they may have at the beginning uh, 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 mucositis. Next is uh, dryness. Uh, a dry mouth syndrome, then uh, the next will be treason because the muscles are affected when they are not moved and then uh, you may have swallowing disorders and uh, uh, the next step would be that you uh, end up in having out of carriers, radiogenic carriers because the dry mouth doesn't provide uh, re uh, remineralization of teeth and out of that when it's during growth uh, the jaws or even the teeth are not developing correctly. The next step when you are in this situation you end up in having a, a breakdown of bone which uh, in other words is called osteoradionecrosis and the next will be infected osteoradionecrosis and over that you will end up in having uh, pathologic fractures and this leads to the breakdown of the uh, jaw system and people survive their cancer but they suffer for that for the rest of your life and so what I could uh, show is that you uh, when you uh, have enough exercise you may overcome uh, for example in humans with dogs I see that they have a better survival because they have to walk their dogs those who sit at home the possibility that uh, osteoporosis will come is uh, on a much higher level oh that's so interesting so um, there's a strong correlation between healing and exercise for sure and and this is one of the main thing uh, we also did research in the kind of uh, how much radiation can you do to in, in an animal setup which is uh, unique uh, that you don't overdo uh, your uh, radiation when it's too much you have a breakdown of healing okay thank you very much it's very interesting and um, really appreciate your time today and sitting with us to talk about this important topic. And uh, thank you so much. I thank you for the opportunity and the main message is uh, just move it. Thank you. Thank you once again for listening to the IAOMS podcast series. IAOMS members receive additional benefits such as access to the IJOMS, educational resources, reduced rates for conferences, and more. To join or renew your membership, please visit www.iaoms.org.
Keep up to date with our weekly podcast by following IAOMS on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest news. See you next week.